Hi everyone, this is Anna van Moeferm. I am a member of the communications team here at the Wilfrid Martin Center for European Studies. And I'm here with three of my colleagues to discuss an event that we held on the 26th of April here in Brussels, which is called Network. And Network is the largest gathering of center-right think tanks in Europe. Uh, so with me today is Gavin Sinnett from the project team. He's from Canada, as you'll probably be able to tell once you hear him speak. We also have uh, Dimitar Lilkov from Bulgaria. His accent is less strong, I'd say. And then finally from Serbia, all the way from a non-EU country, but we love her nonetheless, is Marina Bulatovic, also a member of the communications team, just like me. Thanks for joining, guys. Gavin, actually, why don't you tell us a bit more about Net at Work in, uh, in its inception, for instance, and who's involved in this, in this project? Net at Work, now in its third year, is a massive undertaking. This year and last year, we had 12 of the Martin Center's partners or member foundations. But first, I'd really like to just start and uh, start off by saying that Net at Work could not have been accomplished without the amazing support of uh, four of our integral partners, member foundations. That's uh, Hans Seidel Foundation, or Stiftung, from uh, Germany. Topaz, from the Czech Republic. OVP Polak Political Academy in Austria. And Foundation for a Civic. Hungary or PMA from Hungary. So that at work, as I said, incredible endeavor where 12 member foundations come to Brussels once a year to hold their own panels. That's 12 individual national think tanks or political foundations belonging to the Martin Center network come to Brussels to discuss issues either of relevance at the national level or regional or supranational pan-European level. And these issues are very important either to them at a national level or important to all of Europe. So this is an incredible opportunity where these national think tanks can have a platform in Brussels where we can discuss these issues with them and they can also have the platform to discuss it with people in the audience, the politicians, policy advisors, etc. And uh, yeah, this year's Net at Work, really, it was better than ever. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's quite an ambitious project when you think about it. I mean, all of these think tanks had an hour and a half panel meaning that we had 18 hours of panels in just one day. So, Dimitar, on your side, that must have been like tremendous work just reading even every event report of every panel. Like, how did you how did you find that? Like, was it quite cumbersome, quite heavy uh, as a load of work, or was it okay? Hi, for me as well. I wouldn't say it was cumbersome. It was, uh, it was enjoyable. It was insightful. Uh, we had so many experts at the same, the same time, and we had so many topics which were extremely relevant of uh, bearing in mind today's EU agenda. So I would say that the event was a huge success and we touched upon issues which lie at the heart of the Brussels debate and also in the heart of many national debates. So there was uh, lots of food for thought for everybody around. So I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and actually some of the topics that were broached upon were really topical to the EU's agenda, like last week, but also currently this week. like We've uh, had a lot of discussions on the MFF. We had one panel, I remember, where Siegfried Murashan was there, and he's the spokesperson of the EPP, but also a very important member of the uh, Budget Committee at the European Parliament. And uh, of course, that's the talk of the town right now this week. The MFF debate, the Commission came up with its uh, proposal for the septennial budget. So everyone was talking about this one, and that's, that's really great that we have some panels that are exactly on point of the EU agenda as it currently develops. So do you have any more actually even on the on the MFF? Because I know that was the Bulgarian member foundation, Agerb, who, uh, who talked about this. Do you know anything else about that? 
panel. Uh, yes, exactly. And uh, first things first, the MFF or the multi-annual financial framework was a thing which was at the heart of the Brussels debate, especially on the 2nd of May when the Commission laid out its its project for the next seven years, seven years budget for the, for the EU. So with our event, we discussed exactly this, the importance of the MFF and how to balance the different objectives of the next seven years budget and how to balance cohesion policies, agricultural policies, research programs, money for universities, for Erasmus students. And as a wrap-up, I, I could say that um, our panelists agree that uh, a fine balance should be, should be made between all those, these policy areas and everybody's concerns should be taken into consideration as usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, delicate, delicate exercise, exactly. What I found really good, uh, and coming back to what Gavin has said and uh, about Network being an event for our member foundations to sh showcase their strengths and their topics in Brussels, a lot of them were amongst the, the best impressions and most repeated words on Twitter, like uh, in terms of their names, of course, but as well topics, because what was interesting was that the same day we had the launch of Cohesify, uh, or the the close-up event of the the mm -hmm. Cohesify project, and uh, cohesion policy has been obviously uh, then uh, riding the wave of uh, of uh, what has been already tweeted mm -hmm. about, and as well uh, topics such as obviously enlargement, future of Europe, uh, and then. Uh, as well, uh, general uh, things such as populism, which is always an issue, and Brexit, have driven as well a quite interesting, uh, I would say, audience in terms of location, because it wasn't the case that it was just Belgian people, and not just on Twitter, but as well on Facebook, because uh, I need to mention that we have been live streaming all 12 panels, both on Facebook and on YouTube, and that they're accessible still now. So all of the things that we have been talking about, you can still access them via our Check YouTube our channel. our YouTube channel. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, that was the plug. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I mean, even the numbers of uh, people who have been following it, and uh, I mean, you're you know how um, logistically difficult it is to have uh, four panels in the same time. We had overall around 2,000 people viewing, but mm -hmm. actually viewing, mm -hmm. uh, 12 of panels, which I found to be uh, quite nice, but not just from Belgium. Belgium was uh, adding up to just 20% of people, which mm -hmm. just proves that uh, events like this really can enhance the wider European debate and not just the Brussels uh, bubble mm -hmm. debate, which I think is in the end the yeah, goal of EPP. And if I just may mm -hmm. add, because mm -hmm. I just uh, mentioned EPP, <laughs> um, center-right was obviously one of the, the words which were buzzing uh, on Twitter. And I must say it was uh, really nice to get all of these different national spins on the center-right politics and to see all the variety of, of opinions mm -hmm. we have. In, in the political family and to see as well the variety amongst the speakers who have been coming from the European Commission, from the European Parliament, from different uh, types of... Uh, from the Committee of Regions as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and from the different type of uh, institutions, not just affiliated to the European Union, but mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. overall international institutions, but as well academia and experts. So. I, I think that this was the reason why we did uh, quite nicely, not just on Twitter, but as well uh, on uh, on Facebook and uh, how we drove a lot of uh, attention, I would mention, to our website as well, <laughs> uh, because it, it was quite topical 
and uh, you really had a chance to have a variety of of opinions, which I think doesn't happen mm. that often. I'm sure. And uh, actually, what else do we have from Eastern Europe? Because this is mostly, I think, a concern from Eastern European and sometimes Central European countries, but... What else was there on the Eastern European front that was really dear to them, would you say? On the Eastern European front, we also had a panel on enlargement, which was organized by the Institute for Popular Studies from Romania. Uh, we talked about the, the Western Balkans. We talked about Turkey, of course, uh, especially since uh, a couple of weeks ago, the commission laid out its, its new program, its new ambition to for enlargement in, in the Western Balkans. Uh, so. The progress which was made by specific countries was, was mentioned. And of course, we talked about the challenges facing the region, especially when it comes to rule of law, fighting corruption, reforming public institutions. So as you can you can imagine, it was a heated panel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you, you talked about political corruption just now. There was another member foundation, the um, Swedish foundation, uh, Jarl Halmarsson Foundation, who talked as well about political corruption. I didn't follow that one. I wasn't in, I wasn't in the room. So do you have any more information on, on, on the Swedish panel, uh, Thieves of State, why political corruption is an increasing problem in the EU? Of course, the Swedes, as a northern member state, are very, very concerned with, the, with this topic. I wasn't in the, in the panel itself, but I got some, some snippets from my, from my colleagues. The panel itself was, was focused on why political corruption is becoming such a growing problem and how to tackle it in the, in the long run. An interesting point was that traditional parties have to develop a narrative which, which actually responds to people's grievances and, and how to develop political programs which, which actually tackle people's problems mm -hmm. on, on the ground. Um, also, the panel followed and also extensively discussed uh, problems with political corruption in the Council of Europe, especially in terms of the Azerbaijani affair of politicians trying to buy an influence. So again, we had uh, we had interesting points from from different sides. Actually, talking about people's wants and their fears right now, which of course is going to be a very important aspect of the European elections next year. The Dutch member foundations say they are Wetenschappelijk Instituut. They had a panel uh, which was called "Holding the Center: Restoring an Aspirational Middle Class in Europe." What do you think of that panel? Like, I think it was quite an interesting one as well. Indeed, it was a point which was made during the discussion was that Europe economy is, is, is doing fine, even though that this isn't in, in po popular media, this isn't on Facebook, but the, econ the economy is doing fine, growth is back in Europe, uh, center-right parties should should take the, um, the honors for that. The middle class comprises of close to 50% of, of European citizens. But of course, it has its own grievances, especially when we talk about migration issues, potentially unemployment or automatization. So the problems of the middle class were, were discussed during this, this panel. Of course, there isn't a silver bullet. There isn't a catch-all solution mm -hmm. for, for these problems. But uh, a final note was made that the center-right parties should be aware of, of, of these grievances and should approach these con concerns and communicate directly with middle class representatives especially given future elections. Mm -hmm, definitely. And didn't you think as well that maybe the Hans Idol Foundations panel, which was on social market economy, and which was about balancing solidarity and competitiveness, was also actually pretty close to this theme, kind of, in a way. Like, we can almost tie these two panels, not together, obviously, 
but they have the same same kind of ring to it, like the Dutch foundation and now this German one. Indeed, there the debate uh, was more or less focused on the, the pressures the social economy is currently facing and the two main challenges uh, which we're seeing in, in, in Europe, especially digitalization and globalization. This was raised by all the, the speakers in, in, in the panel. And how do we compromise between losing some jobs because of autom automation and digitalization and also gaining new, new jobs in the future? Because as many studies say, in 20 years time, we'll have new jobs which are, are not existent even today. So how can the EU, how can politicians strike this fine balance between the, the, these challenges? Yeah. So it's interesting because we looked at a lot of uh, issues that are, I mean, quite dear to, to Europeans in Europe, obviously. So social market economy, middle class, unemployment, cohesion policy, etc. But also another aspect which quite a number of uh, the member foundations who were at Net at Work also broached upon was looking at outside of the European Union. Like we talked about the MENA region, we talked about immigration, we talked about, what else did we talk about? Even in a way, I mean, it's bigger than just Europe, the energy panel organized by FIES was also like about bigger things even than just the EU. We had, especially I find interesting, the both the Italian organizations, so it was Luigi Sturzo Institute on one hand, and also, of course, the, the Gasperi Foundation. So the, the Gasperi Foundation talked about the European Union in the Mediterranean puzzle. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing in that respect? And the Sturzo one was about the migration challenge and finding a realistic strategy for this problem. There were interesting, interesting speakers on both of these panels. We had people from think, the think tank world. We had the European Asylum Support Office, which was represented. We had the president of the NATO Parliamentary Assembly, diplomats. Like These were, I think, very, very on-point people to discuss these issues. What do you think of those panels? Yeah, we can, we can bundle, them, bundle them together naturally. Uh, when we talk about the Mediterranean puzzle, for example, we must agree with a heavy heart that the EU has failed to respond effectively to the, to the challenges in the Mediterranean region. And there is a clear mismatch between the EU's action priorities in the Mediterranean as part of its global strategy and the, the actual implementation of, of, of these priorities, especially when we talk about Libya, Syria, and, and, and so on. And an interesting conclusion which was, which was reached by, by the different experts also agreed in, in, in the audience is that to have a stronger effect on, on the conflicts and the issues in, in the Mediterranean region, the EU needs to formulate in advance its, its clear vision for, for the region and then outline its, its strategy. Because right now we're seeing maybe maybe the reverse, and because of this, uh, there's been some disappointing results. Yeah, and amongst those disappointing results, there were three panels, and I think this actually kind of ends on, on the content of the panels quite nicely, because we had the Austrians, who talked about politics 2.0 in an era of populism, and we had two other V4 countries, by the way, also quite interesting to note. The Topaz organization of the Czech Republic talked about another EU referendum in the making, question mark, it's important to put that there, Euroscepticism in Central Europe, and uh, finally the, the PMA organization, Foundation for a Civic Hungary, talked about is there a third way, what is the post-Brexit future of the EU project? So I find that these three as well, again, kind of interesting that they talk about then what has been the response to all these problems that Europe's been, been facing these, uh, well, these 
past few years, decade even. Yes, um, Brexit and the the post-Brexit future of the, of the EU and the relations between London and, and Brussels is indeed a million dollar or million euro question question at, at the moment. So throughout the debate, uh, some very interesting points were were made. For example, that specific areas in the in the UK which voted for Leave uh, were also specific areas in which people have the highest fears for migration. So again, the, the, the immigration aspect came out. The British public feels as if uh, its, its demands, its fears are not addressed by the politicians, and this is why we, we had the referendum result. And again, it was a uh, point was raised that there is a failure of the ruling, ruling national elites to, to meet the concerns of ordinary people, and this is not just in Britain, but throughout the EU. And, and this is something which should be addressed in, in next elections and for next priorities of different parties. So finally, we can, we can say that Brexit, again, is linked with, with, with populism, with Euroscepticism. And these were also two panels we, we had in our, in our network event. Uh, Marina, you were together with me in the Euroscepticism in Central Europe uh, panel. What do you think happened there? And uh, what's, your, what's your view? What I found really interesting was that uh, even when talking about Euroscepticism, the question which came from audience uh, tied it really nicely with the financial issue that we have been discussing and which has been trending on Twitter, especially that day, which was basically should we tie in financial uh, aid or help and even cohesion policy to the fulfillment of things which are <laughs> in our treaties, such as rule of law, etc. And it was quite a vivid debate, I must say, and uh, quite uh, um, an important issue for, for uh, Central Europe, which has been experiencing Euroscepticism, uh, well, quite extensively, I must say. And then again, I mean, talking about populism as such, which, uh, which was a panel by um, our Austrian member foundation, it was as well quite interesting to see uh, how uh, traditional political parties should respond to the new reality in terms of communication which populists have posed to us. Uh, and I think that both of the, the panels had uh, really uh, strong questions raised and uh, which reflected really nicely challenges that Europe uh, is facing right now. That's quite interesting. Actually, Marina, since uh, you were talking a bit about what you saw on Twitter, what was trending that day, how did we do the network uh, event on Twitter? How was that? At one point, we managed to get to the sixth trending topic in Belgium, which was quite nice, nice comparing to what has been happening in Brussels and in Belgium these days. Gavin, did you could you actually explain what exactly is a member foundation? Yes, yeah, sure. So a member foundation is a political think tank belonging to the Martin Center's network. Like the Martin Center is the political foundation or the official think tank of the EPP. Now the European People's Party, EPP, is a pan-European political party, center-right, which you all know. But the way that we are the political foundation of the EPP, in the member states, at the national level, you also have political foundations, which are the official political foundation or think tank of the respective center-right party within that country. And so EPP, it sort of works like an umbrella organization for the national political parties in each member state. Well, if you look at what the Martin Center does, it also operates like an umbrella, pan-European umbrella, for those national political foundations. 
And what really is so fantastic then about Net at Work is it's an opportunity for the Martin Center's network, our member foundations, to come to Brussels to talk about issues that might be really important in their country, regionally, or pan-European issues. Um, so it's it's not really a surprise sometimes that you you know you see this the southern member foundations of the Martin Center network focusing on issues in the MENA region or migration or uh, in the Netherlands, for example, the middle class, which is a major issue uh, going on socially within within public debate there, but really. These issues, they don't just affect these countries in, on an individual national level. They really affect all of us. Migration is an issue which affects, affects all of the corners of the European Union. And so this opportunity for a Southern member foundation to come to Brussels to talk to policymakers and advisors, really to get some discussion going about these issues because they affect us all, is, I think, really an incredible opportunity. And really, um, I mean... After all, a, a think tank is only as strong as our network. And if you look at Net at Work, I'd say that our network is pretty strong. <laughs> Quite agree with that. And of course, this event itself, I mean, it sprung out of the brain of our comms director, Jose Luis Fontalba, like Athena out of the brain of Zeus, really. And uh, But the real power person behind this driving the entire thing forward is Margarita Moverelli, who's not here right now. You can still follow the entire discussion as well on Network by going uh, on Twitter and looking for the hashtag, uh, hashtag NetAtWork2018. And at is obviously not an at here, it's 80, because otherwise the hashtag wouldn't work. So uh, Marina, what do you think it did on, how well did the hashtag net at work 2018 do on Twitter? Uh, well, most of the times we have been seventh trending topic in Belgium, uh, but at one point we managed to get to the sixth place. Uh, but I think uh, there were quite a few reasons to, to uh, doing so well on Twitter. Uh, but I would like to raise an interesting point, which is that uh, 78 percent of uh, our uh, Twitter audience, uh, well, not audience, but people who were actually uh, tweeting about Net at Work 2018 have been women. And I mean, in light of that, it, one of the, I would say, most retweeted and quoted tweets uh, was uh, actually a quote made by our, our own uh, senior research officer, Oendrea, mm -hmm. uh, who quoted uh, Director General of UNIDO, uh, who said that women remain the most underutilized asset in the world. Hmm, and and I think it was quite a, I would say, inspiring uh, statement for uh, basically empowering further the debate and maybe well, perhaps one of the reasons why we had such a strong female uh, voice mm -hmm. on Twitter. And actually, that reminds me that another soundbite that I got from, from the Net at Work Day on 26th of April was uh, a quote that I heard at the Anton Tunega Foundation panel, the Building Resilience in the MENA region for a Strong Europe, which had two people who really work on the ground in Syria for relief organizations. And so this one quote I heard was pronounced by Friedrich Bockern, and he said uh, that Europe basically is suffering today from a post-imperial stress disorder which, I mean, it's quite provocative, obviously, but also quite a powerful quote. And, and it's not surprising that this one did so well on Twitter, actually. So Net at Work, basically putting the 
network at work uh, was once again uh, a great event where we, we thank all of the member foundations and partners who participated in this event, but especially big kudos to the four who really supported us uh, on the conception of the event, financially, logistically, and those are the Hans Seidel Stiftung from Germany, the uh, ÖVP Political Foundation from Austria, the Topaz Organization from the Czech Republic, and Foundation for a Civic Hungary from Hungary. We really want to thank those four, especially because they, their support, uh, without their support, it couldn't have been possible, basically. And I also want to really congratulate Margarita Moverelli, who has been working on the clock for this event and uh, who made a great thing out of it. And uh, I want to say that we will have all pictures available on our Flickr album. Go check our Instagram account, our Facebook, and of course our YouTube channel where you will find all of the events. Uh, we've edited them now, so you'll be able to browse through them once more. Thanks, thanks for listening to us.